2: Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index Pro Mindfield Podcast, your sports psychology podcast where myself and Andrew sit down and we have a wee chat about all things football on the mind and LFC. Andrew, how are things going with you over in the US of A?
3: Not too bad, but I thought you were going to say the podcast where we sit down and have a little cry. That's all that's left.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Tears. If we were recording this podcast two days ago we'd be fine we'd be a bit more cheery but we're recording this two days after the real madrid first leg you know this team
3: is exceptional at finding new ways to be frustrating and disappointing
2: absolutely absolutely and i today what we're going to talk about is uh i suppose in some ways it's momentum really and how you build up momentum, but how fragile momentum and confidence can actually be. And people will talk a lot about how at different points in the season, okay, now we're okay. Now we're good to go. Now we're on track. But I think this is where, you know, aligning with say the Under Pressure podcast, we can get a bit of a, a deeper dive into actually that confidence and momentum that the the team were building up was built on a bit of a, as you're experiencing right now, an icy and kind of fragile foundation. Um, And what we experienced was the ice cracking underneath us on on Tuesday night. To, I suppose, give the listeners some context. What is momentum and what is important about it when it comes to sports psychology? Yeah, so
3: momentum I think is one of the sports psycho- like those the psychology words that's used in sport mm-hmm. a lot that is not super well defined within sports psychology itself and like not really well established and so like there's a lot of people who will sort of argue like oh momentum is sort of a fallacy and um, you know, but then at the same time, like, you listen to players, you listen to coaches, like, they'll talk about it, right? Like, it's an experience they notice. And so, you know, the way that I interpret that and the way I like I think about it is that um, momentum is like a subjective and emotional experience that comes from your interpretation of the events that are going on, right? And um, basically, the way you feel, do I feel like we're making progress? Do I feel... Like we're being disappointing and, you know, the emotions that come with this, like sadness versus confidence is like kind of a, a feeling or whatever. Like it's about that interpretation. So um there is sort of like the, the downward spiral and like the upward spiral kinds of things that come with momentum. Is like how do your interpretations and emotional reactions to the situations in front of you either – help you be more confident and foreground things that are going to help you succeed more or be disappointed in maybe foreground things that are going to undermine your chances of success. And so like when I talk about foreground, what I mean is like what we pay attention to at a given time is often shaped by our broader perspectives on things. And so like often the example I'll use with clients, right? is like, if you are hungry, at a given time, like, and that's kind of a need in the background or something that you know is going on, you might be more likely to notice different food that other people are eating or places to eat. You might be more likely to think about what am I having for dinner or, you know, notice your stomach growling, like all of this information that's going on um, is the forefront in your brain that's foregrounded. Other things move to the background. Once you eat, a lot of those things are backgrounded. You're not thinking as much about what am I going to have for dinner or my next meal or whatever, you know. Like it's information sometimes comes forward and sometimes goes backwards kind of based on a couple of different things, wants, needs, context, uh, goals at a given time. So momentum, like in the way it plays out, is about how do you, your interpretations cause you to foreground and background certain things. How, like That includes identity. That includes just like what I'm feeling at a given moment. too. Because feelings often have a lot to do with what we want and what we need. And wants and needs, just like the food example, have a lot to do with what we foreground and background. So um, let's use the Liverpool example or some Liverpool examples, right? Um, so maybe people can track with this their own experience of... We win against Newcastle this weekend, and we're feeling pretty good about that. And the things that we take from that game, because we won, even though we didn't really look that good against 10 men, a lot of what we foreground are like, okay, there's some good things to build on. Gakpo scores, Nunes scores, like, you know, we got our guys firing here. There's moments that we looked really good in transition, moments where we looked really good in the press. Like, you know, we start looking at the table, and rather than being like, oh, like we're never going to make it. It's like, oh, well, what do we actually have to do in order to get to fourth, right? And so it's like the things that jump into your attention are sort of these optimistic things, these closing the gap related things, the things that we're good at, the things we had success with. Maybe you start imagining what can this team look like? You start thinking about, you know, what if we, whatever, right? So it's maybe people have this experience, a foreground. All of a sudden, a couple things go our way. It feels good. The information that comes to mind is stuff that's maybe likely to push us forward. Um, the opposite of that is so like, you know, then we have this experience of Real Madrid, right? You have these two goals. So I was telling Al before the pod, I turned the game on when we were up to nothing already. And I was like, oh, like we're back, you know? And like, if people aren't like me, like part of what naturally happens is you see we're up to nil, You're like, cool. Like maybe we're really flying here and we looked aggressive. And there were moments where we looked quite good. And you're thinking like, Oh, like, we could get through to the next round. Like, maybe we could get one more. Like, maybe we could lock this down. We got players coming back. Like, um, you know, thinking more about, oh, like, the table. What's the table going to look like? And, you know, in the Premier League, like, oh, if we're really back and we beat Real Madrid and like, that's going to be such a big boost. Like, what's that going to do for us in the coming games? You can see the information that's foregrounded is this sort of positive, exciting, motivating, um, it's going to, encourage you to focus on things that are going to make you more successful by and large right like there is sort of this experience of like if you get too focused on those good feelings and what you can accomplish in the long term you lose the short term a little bit Um but yeah. yeah so that's then Real Madrid scores two and you're thinking okay this is a game but we're still playing okay right mm. and bad error from Alex but we're still playing all right and but also maybe you start to notice certain things or foreground certain things that are like, this is bad. We give up three goals, three more goals, excuse me. All of a sudden, um it's like, fuck this team. You know, and the, the things you're going to be thinking about are all of the issues that we have, the... People on the bench who it's like who's really there, the people who are underperforming, like the it totally shifts the stuff that's front and center in your mind. Well now we're done with Champions League, you know, it's really unlikely we're gonna come back against Real Madrid at the burnabout. It's like all this stuff, it's like front and center is all the stuff related to losing and how bad this team is, and how bad the rebuild is and who we need and what we don't have and FSG aren't even leaving and like negative momentum. Right. Mm. The things you're now foregrounding are pulling you downward away kind of towards, um, stuff that's more depressing and upsetting and not kind of present moment focused. So that's, that's how I would sort of describe these momentum related processes. It's, you know, is it momentum in the sense that like it's, like physics, no, like it's easier to stop sort of the psychological momentum actually than it would be to like halt something with like physical momentum and force. And it's not the hot hand idea, right? Where it's like, um, you know, someone who has momentum, if they score on one shot and you give them the ball again, they're more likely to score on the second shot. That's not really what momentum means. Sometimes it plays out that way. Because someone who's foregrounding the right things is more likely to be successful or who is like focused on their strengths and using those strengths is more likely to execute than someone who's focused on weaknesses. But it's not like an experience of someone who's doing well just keeps getting progressively better or more skilled. It's how their interpretation of the events causes them to foreground information in a way that allows them to more successfully utilize the abilities that they have.
2: Yeah. End of that's <laughs> that's an absolutely brilliant explanation of the subtleties that people might not have thought about when when they hear the word momentum in terms of sport. And I think, like when you were talking there, what was coming to me in terms of the physical momentum is the strongmen when they're pulling the 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 cab of a a, a lorry. And uh, like, that's a physical momentum. So they have to work really bloody hard to get things going. Um, but once they get it going, well, God's name is a lorry? Uh, a truck. Okay. okay sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. but yeah, so a, a, a truck and, uh, and they have to pull it. And once they get it going, it's a lot easier to get it to the point. But that's just one person pulling one thing. Whereas with a team sport, it's, You have to have a number of different, you have a number of different elements that need to work together in unison to, to, to get the outcome. And that's so much harder to predict or to, to physically put in place. Now you try to do that Mm -hmm. on the training ground and that's where, you know, people learn the structures and the tactics, but that's clearly not working for us right now. And I think what is, fascinating for me is that the, the momentum we built up last year brought us right through to play every single game. And that ended with a, a sudden stop uh, with the two biggest competitions that we played in not coming home. And like we discussed in the last podcast, Tiago has spoken about the, the impact on on the players and the squad mentally around that. But The drop-off this season has been so drastic and so dramatic that it's almost unbelievable. Are you that person who has everything?
1: The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
2: That this team could go from winning nearly every single tro- possible trophy, one game away and one point away, to looking like a shell of a, a, a team. With no structure, no confidence, no sense of momentum, and I, I think that I was the question. Is around moving into a question, <laughs> you know, when we looked at the results against Everton and Newcastle, we I think we were all delighted to get the wins, but watching those games was very much we don't look all that convincing in these victories. And maybe the big thing is that we didn't concede that first goal. So we were able to, in, in game, continue that momentum. Mm-hmm. And we always knew that we could stay in front. Whereas with Madrid, they're so good. They're so much better than Newcastle. So much better than, uh, than Everton. And they have the, the, the memory of last season's Champions League where they were behind in so many matches. They were, they did look out on a number of occasions and they knew they had that resilience and that that they could keep going and get back. Like we had, you know, three years ago when we knew, like you could look at the team and every time if we went to goal behind, they just looked like it was, that's okay, we're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, Every time we go behind, we just, the the players look like they're shell-shocked. And I think, I know everyone will focus on Fabinho and his drop-off, and that has been massive. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't give enough credit to the importance of that role. And I think if you look at Man United and what Casemiro, the difference he has made to them, just one player. But for me, looking at the squad right now, Joe Gomez is the the perfect example of that fragile confidence where he makes one mistake and it's almost like, oh shit. And because he's the back line, the pressure is there. And because there's not the same level of confidence throughout the team and 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 people playing at, a, at the high enough level, there isn't the same cover for him there. I don't even know if I've got a question in there. What's your take?
3: Yeah. No, I, I think like... He, Here's the question, actually. Um, Fabinho's wife—they had their first child mm-hmm. recently, right? I've always thought about that as like a significant drop-off thing. Like, I know a lot of players cope with it really well, but that could also be like soup, like like if he's not sleeping the same. That's a huge life change, mm. and like I, th- I think that's one of those human things. Like we don't maybe always consider enough with some of these like young guys who are becoming fathers for the first time or having like, a second like that's a lot of adjustment there and a lot of life change and um you know you never know how everyone at home is coping with that too yeah and like how that is on the whole family and you know obviously you know they have the means to afford some additional hands and support that maybe a lot of people don't but i think regardless it's still a tough thing and I you know, I haven't seen that anywhere as people like when everyone's like, well, what has happened to Fabinho? It's like, oh, dude that a kid. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, that's a, that wouldn't surprise me not to over speculate about how things are behind the scenes, but like, I thought about that the other day. It's like, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Like, and know, I, I think that corresponded almost with the start of the season. Exactly. Yeah. Like
2: I think it. so too. And I remember having the same thoughts when Andy Robson um, got time off to, because his partner was having a child and, He wasn't the same coming back. And like, I think this is a really important topic that you've brought up because these guys, and we say it all the time, are human beings. They can't just switch on and off their emotions. And anyone who's been a, a, you know, a parent who's had a child, like that first six to eight weeks, that first year can be really, really Draining. That first few years can be really draining, mm-hmm. and it can ha- it can put a real strain on your relationship. It can put you know, and if you think about it, and again, we're not speculating, but they're living in a country where maybe their family aren't around, you know, maybe their mm-hmm. close friends aren't around, and there's an isolation thing, and like all these things do actually have an impact on someone's ability to step it onto a pitch. You, they 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 just don't. Or maybe the, the best way to phrase it is the majority of footballers are unable to shut off the outside world when they step onto a pitch. And we shouldn't expect them to. Yeah, and I, and I think
3: regardless, right, like um,
2: more and more being in peak condition
3: as an athlete plays into your entire life. The amount of focus that's on your sleep, the amount of focus that's on your diet, the amount of focus that's on, you know, even even things like stress levels, Right. Like, all of those things.
0: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast which is every day at 4pm, Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a TAD predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a TAD predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing, on EPL Index, and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. ...are hugely impacted by having your first child, Mm -hmm.
3: right? And, like, you know, there's also just a reality, too. Like, sometimes what's going on at work is not the most important thing in your life. And that's true. Like, sometimes soccer is not the most important thing in these players' lives, too. And that's actually healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, like he should care more about his kid and the dynamics at home. And that's, you know, obviously you have to find some balance. Like you can't just tank at work. Um And most of us actually have a lot more leeway. Mm-hmm. Right. To like, you know, if our performance dips a little bit, there's going to be certain people who don't, but like certain people who it's like, maybe it's not as big of a deal. So I think, I think that's an important one with Fabinho, especially this year. And like, I don't know. I, I'm not an elite athlete, clearly, but I gained like 30 pounds when I had, when my wife had our first kid, and like, you know, why like diet changes? She was always doing the cooking, and like now all of a sudden people are bringing us food a lot, like um like sleep changes totally, right? Like the a lot of stuff changes. It takes some adjustments. I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the the complication mm-hmm. there.
2: And again, we could be completely wrong. But it's, could be, but I think it's, it's definitely worth having the conversation and talking about how when you're operating under a microscope and everything about what these players do on and off the pitch is being analyzed all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. So they're, the the levels, they're having blood tests all the time. You know, they're, they're seeing the cortisol, the stress levels, all that kind of stuff are being monitored and like even I couldn't even imagine you know my employer having all that information about me at their fingertips right like whose business is it it if I stay up till twelve o'clock one o'clock in the morning but I'm a footballer my boss knows that I'm not asleep yeah right right if I fancy a bag of chips on the way home from work today my boss is going to know about it Right, yeah,
3: right. They had it. it's, it's potatoes <laughs> in the bloodstream. Um <laughs> yes. uh, Yeah, it is. Like it, it's really crazy and it's interesting. It's been interesting for me to see how um you know, I work with some guys in eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one and you know how they're approaching their whole lives is you know, it's it's a testament to their commitment, but it's also um it's crazy. You know, it's really crazy. And, you know, the, the groups that I work with, by and large, don't have the kind of testing and blood testing mm-hmm. and stuff that um, Liverpool would be doing. But, um, you know, it takes... Being that regiment, it takes a pretty substantial amount of mental effort and energy. And um, it's hard to undersell that, too. And I, I mean, like, look, like, all this stuff was true going along. I really just wanted to ask about Fabinho because I've been thinking about it recently. I don't think that, like this balance has a lot to do with our overall team, except that with him being such a pivotal role in position, um, even if that's the one thing that's off, right? Like our midfield was maybe on unstable ground and then him being really pretty significantly off made it much worse and exacerbated, exacerbated that problem. You know, if we're going back to the momentum thing a little bit, um, it just totally shifts what you can expect. And that's really rattling, you know, like you expect certain processes to work. And so like, typically what would happen is like, you have a bad game or you have a couple bad games as a team, like you lose games, you're not supposed to win. You're like, okay, let's refocus on what's our foundation. What are we, what do we do? And if our team doesn't work without Fabinho doing what he does, which it doesn't really, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there wasn't planning in place to have a backup for him or replace him, then you have no foundation to lean on anymore. That's, that's really disorienting. And so that becomes really hard on momentum when the thing you used to be able to trust isn't, doesn't feel like the thing you can lean back on. And then you don't really even know what the process you need is anymore. And, um, it'll affect different players differently. Different people have different ideas. But, you know, it's like that third goal we gave up against Real Madrid. Like, that wasn't even a good run though. No. You know, like, like Milletel just like kind of like walked past everybody and like no one was like, it didn't look like anyone's like, Hey, he's coming. It was like, everyone's like, huh, look at that guy. And you know, that's, that's pretty inexcusable and a really hard thing to make sense
2: mm-hmm. of. Right. And, and for uh, me, that was the, yeah. the the most egregious of all five goals. It was literally, he had so much space and, like It it wasn't an exceptional cross. It wasn't an exceptional run. It was literally basic. They must have been just kind of looking at each other going, how the fuck did we do that so easily? Right. So, where do you think this leaves us, Andrew? Like, listening to Klopp afterwards, he was very downbeat. He was... Uh, and, and, and what we're starting to see now on social media, and, you know, how much do we trust social media? But... Rumblings that his job is under threat, that he 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 could be for the chop, like that's something that two three months ago just would never have been in the in the conversation. Yeah. Now, I I personally I don't put too much weight in it at all. I think you know, and I, I'd be very surprised if if the owners did get rid of him, but there's questions there and and in the background things, you know, there, there's, there's momentum in terms of people negatively leaving the club. Hmm.
3: I, you know, I think, um, God, I hope they don't get rid of cloud. Yeah. I just, I really hope they don't. I don't think that's where we are. I don't think he's easily replaced by any stretch of the imagination. And like, I don't, You know, by and large, I don't think this is, like, his fault. Like, I don't know that he's done a lot wrong. And I also, like, the sports psychology side of me really appreciates how he's handling this right now. Mm. Which is, like, really being focused on what are these moments we can build from. And, like, I didn't watch his post-Madrid press conference. But, um, you know, I I saw, like, a line from it, which is, like, there's things things to take from that game. Mm. That's true. Even if that's 20 or 30 minutes, that's, that's how you build momentum. And that's how you build a new process is you pay attention to what are the things we're doing well. And that becomes the thing you then lean on when things are not going well. And that's, you know, that's the other thing with momentum, both like sort of this positive momentum and negative momentum is that like, you have to be very careful to not allow either of those to pull you away from the focus on your process. And so, you know, when things are going really well, that's great. And foreground, you know, like it's going to pull you towards confident things, but still like making sure you're focusing on, am I doing the things I'm good at? Those are the things that built momentum in the first place. And so it's important that you have some conscious effort of keeping your attention there. Similarly, when things aren't going well, it's managing momentum is all about not letting that change the way you approach your process. The problem is the process itself is broken here. And I just rebuilding a process mid-season when you don't really have the players to do it. And you're like, this has just been a really hard job. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think judge club by what we see in April Mm -hmm. um, rather than what we see right now. And, um, you know, at the end of the season. Like, I really hope they wouldn't fire him before the end of the season. Like, I think that would be lunacy. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, like, I, I think having some focus on the process and the only way to do that is to have a manager who, when games are going well, is to be excited about that, celebrate that, celebrate the victory, let those emotions build. The emotion is what's going to pull positives into the frame. And then also, here's why this went well and being really clear about what did we do To accomplish this, what were our good moments? And then also highlight the ones that where did we get away from our process, right? Like that's rewarding the good moments and calling out and acknowledging and punishing sort of the punishing quote unquote the bad moments. Like that's what keeps the focus really clearly in view. Um, and so yeah, I mean, that's what becomes important now is like not letting those emotions and the disappointment fester. You know, it's okay to be disappointed in the moment. You are disappointed in the moment. You don't really get to choose whether you're disappointed or not, um, but not, if you allow that loss to totally hinder your ability to notice any of the buildable moments, then you're totally falling into the trap of momentum, mm. right? We have the, when I hear it, it's easier to change psychological momentum than it is to change physical momentum, Sometimes I guess that's a weird statement. I don't know that those things are comparable in any way. But like, uh, once a lorry gets going, it's, it's tough <laughs> to stop. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but what you can do is you can change what you're foregrounding and be more intentional about what you're foregrounding. And like, the fact that we lost that game five-two doesn't make the twenty minutes where we played really well disappear. And I think a lot of people would be quick to be like, well, it doesn't matter because we fucked it up. And it's like, no, it has to matter. It has to matter because like we had 20 minutes where we went well. And if you want 30 good minutes, you start by building on the 20 good minutes you have. And that's the only way to do it.
2: Yeah. Um, And I think that that is is the only way to do it. And listening to Klopp in his recent interviews where he's talking about, we need to have, you know, a a structural change in, in the summer. I'm wondering, has he recognised his own um, mistakes, maybe inverted commas, where he would... Maybe he's recognised that he has trusted the same group of players beyond when they can deliver what he needs for them to deliver. And that's where he now is saying we need to look at things, because if you look at his substitutions on Tuesday night, like, yeah, okay, Nunes and Gakpo were quiet in the second half, but Jota and Firmino didn't come on and play well uh, at, at, uh, at Newcastle, particularly, and that wasn't where our challenge was. Our challenge was in midfield. And then when he did make a change in midfield, he's bringing on James Milner. And again, like, I think, sorry, I don't think, m- my thought process goes to, is he in that um fight or flight response mode of break glass, just stick with what I trust, which is James Milner, which is Jordan Henderson, which is Fabinho. And, oh yeah, this new guy who, you know, who's actually playing pretty well, way better than I expected him to play. But let's just... That this is what I have to do because these are the pl- people that I've trusted in the past. So I have to con- continue to trust them right now. He hasn't trusted Naby in the past, so he's not trusting him now. But the people that he has in those, those positions right now can't do, do what's expected of them. And I think through the process of the season, he's actually seen that in in action but he has not been in a position to change it and some people will argue well why the hell did they go and buy GACPO in you know in the January transfer window and not buy anybody else I don't know maybe it was a Klopp decision maybe it was somebody else decided it maybe who knows? who the hell knows but I think oh sorry I hope for Klopp that he has recognized the mistakes that he's made in over the last couple of years where he hasn't freshened up the midfield and he hasn't moved on to the second option. So when they couldn't get too many, they didn't move on to plan option B, like they did when they brought in Sadio, when they brought in Mo, when they, you know, they brought in all the other players that weren't the first choice of the manager, but they went for the second choice when they couldn't get the first choice. And that, I absolutely would trust Klopp to be able to rebuild it. And people will throw out, well, he's never done it. Yeah, he's never done it. Doesn't mean he can't. And just because it hasn't happened in the past doesn't mean it can't happen in the future.
3: Yeah, I I totally agree. I totally agree. I think, like, especially, I don't know, what what, op- what options did he have besides Miller? Like, I know in some ways there were, but I, I think in other ways, too, like, I don't know. I guess that's not who I would have thrown on if I was throwing people on, but... Um, I, I, I'm interested to see how much he's learned in terms of not trusting the, the usual suspects. Um, I'm a little skeptical about that part, but I am hopeful that maybe that's something he takes. And I think there's also some recognition on his part that, um.
4: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
3: Yeah, the, like, the rebuild will happen in the summer. Mm. Like, I, I think he's there. I think he's sort of, not that he's writing this season off but I think he's also aware that there's only so much you can really change about this group right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, we're about to come into a point in the season where there's a lot of games coming. It's not going to mean a lot of time on the training pitch. Like I think different people have shown they can be trusted or where they can't be trusted. Like, you know, you, there's personnel and there's people coming back, but like for the most part, are they really going to solve the problem? Clearly Nabby is just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think, I think there's some recognition there on his part that, um, the best you can do for this season is to focus on building on the strengths and trying to get some momentum going and just like keeping, continuing to fight that and continuing to stick with that. Um, you know, and then, big changes will happen in the summer and i think for a lot of us we'd love to see some sort of big changes now or some different lineup or some different idea or some different thing but i i think um you know sometimes that's the biggest mistake you can make sometimes it get sometimes it can be helpful but sometimes it can be a really huge mistake and i think we actually saw that at the start of the year that switch to the 442 it worked a little bit but having these kind of different Formations and situations, like, did that ultimately make us better? And so I think Klopp often is someone who's like, stick with the thing we've practiced and make it work. I think he has the experience too to understand, like, it's just like for people, there's bad years, you know, and there's parts of that that are within your control. And there's sometimes where it's like you're getting unlucky and bad things are happening, people are getting injured, and this isn't working the way you thought it would. And like, you know, with those things, patience is so important and not getting too down on yourself and not totally changing what you're doing. And um that's another really big thing with momentum is like the results, even when you're not at your best, right? Like the results aren't always an indicator of things you need to change or that a total overhaul is needed. And, um, you know, sometimes it's about enduring bad spells and holding on to the trust that you have in yourself and a belief in some sort of process because at some point the clouds are going to break a little bit and you're going to have some space like things will start clicking and you can build on that but that endurance isn't always easy and um like staying steady in those moments isn't always easy and i think especially in sport where you've got you know you're losing and people are losing and fans are upset and people are upset. And you know, like it's, there's a feeling, I think that you should always have a solution um, to winning. Like that we should always be able to win and that like winning should always be the goal. But just the reality of sport is that you don't always win. And um, you know, not allowing that to totally undermine everything is important, which is also why I hope they don't get rid of club mm. because like, It's a bad year, but I'm willing to give them another one.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's it. And like I've probably discussed many times before, people will always in my, my day to day work will talk about, you know, how do we build resilience in our children as if it's a pill that they can take? And then it's, or it's if parents say do this and don't do that and that'll build your resilience. Well, no, how we build resilience is by falling down and recognise that we can lift ourselves up and we don't need other people to do it for us. And I think when we talk about professional sport and you're talking about endurance, endurance doesn't come from things going well. Your ability to endure does not come from things going well. Unfortunately, we are not in a position to be a Man City where they can buy £100 million pound players every year and afford to not have them work out. And that's like that's that's just the way it is. So what we need to do is be able to endure this year so that we can then learn about, well, what are the things we need to change? What are the things we are good at? And I think we're starting to see shoots of positivity, especially with the front three. For me, it Mm -hmm. looks to me like they're starting to gel a bit better and understand their roles a bit more. Nunes is still a bit of a nutcase. And, you know, but he should have, (laughs) but he should have had a penalty. He was absolutely shoved in the back. And I think that might have been 2-2 or 3-2. Um, yeah. And, you know, he should have released Gakpo, who was in behind. But he is still making those runs, and he, he like I, I'm seeing the shoots of those three working well together. And I do think it's Klopp has earned the right to come back with another group for the next two years. And the reason I say next two years is because not everybody they sign right now this summer is. Probably going to hit the ground running and get fully up to speed. Now they might, and it would be fantastic if they did, but they probably wouldn't. But I think he definitely deserves at least two years. And then if we're still seeing James Milner been pulled out and trotted out or Jordan Henderson still starting in the, in this team, then we do need to ask the questions and start to say, well, mm, hold on a second. This isn't really he doesn't seem to be showing any ability to learn and change. And that's not saying that all our problems are based on James Miller and Jordan Henderson, but I'm just picking those two as given that they're getting older and we shouldn't have to be relying on them as much. There should be other players coming through who are 24, 25, 26, not 18, but 24, 25, 26. They're coming in and they have that ability, unless they're exceptional talents. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I think I think Klopp is dialed into this idea of endurance too and understands that you have to weather some stuff sometimes and like that's how you come out the other side of it. I mean he he says it all the time. And um yeah, I think your your point about resilience there is also really important. It's like resilience and distress go together. Like um part of it is about being present with that distress and holding that distress and like, just not letting that break you or undermine you. It's about not letting that sort of negative momentum come over or take over where as things start to go bad, you know, can you hold on to your process and and trust in the things that are working? And, um, yeah, that this is, this is an endurance thing this year is like, if we can find a way to get top four, and find a run of form that gets us there. It will be a really impressive achievement because we've watched teams that have had a season like this totally fold. We're watching Chelsea sort of totally fold. Uh we're watching we watched Man United last year totally fold and collapse. And so like there's there's worse that's possible from this, right? Like we're we've had a couple good wins. Like we had some decent moments of were we ready for Real Madrid? Actually, yeah, in some ways we were. Like, did we play against them for a full 90 minutes? No. (laughs) You know, and when they punched back, were we well-suited for that? Definitely not. Interesting that uh, Ancelotti told them to push Fabinho harder in the second half. That was something I saw. That was one of his halftime adjustments was to tell Valverde to put more pressure on Fabinho. Um God it feels mean. Doesn't just mean <laughs> like I know it's it's sport, but it's like oh come on, leave leave the guy alone. Like everyone, leave tried to alone, leave Fabinho alone. Come on, he's got a little kids. Like, Give him a break. Yeah, he got a new kid. Come on, Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, and I know the last, maybe that's a good strategy going forward yeah. that we'll figure out who's a new father on yeah. uh, other teams. that just target the hell out of the new dad. That's yeah uh, how you win the market match.
2: But I, you know, I do think um, that. I don't know why. Like, I know I said last time, I don't expect us to win any games. Like, I, I don't ex- expect it. Right? But it's what's funny is, like, I do think we're going to get top four. And people will, go, will call me crazy. But I do. I genuinely think we're going to get top four. I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, but I, I, I just have that feeling that we'll, we'll get there. Um, there's no logic Like my brain is going Mm-mm, not happening but there's just something inside going yeah, yeah I think we will get there and I think it's important to hold on to that and I think we need to fight for it and I think if anybody can turn it around it is us it is Klopp it is those players because they have got that ability they've shown it over the years that they can dig deep and have a good strong finish and Maybe then we get top four and we do get to go, okay, well, we need to have this person not in the starting lineup as often. We have this new person that is better suited to what we need them to do. So let's go and get them and just pay the money. Mm -hmm. And,
3: you know, I think it's important too, um, like not to, not to forget, like we've had ugly seasons, you know, like Alison headers that drag us into the top Mm -hmm. four. Like, If this, what this is going to look like for us to get top four, like part of enduring is being comfortable with something less than what you would normally expect. Like that's part of getting through hard times. And, um, you know, I think if the expectation is we're going to suddenly turn into this team that's dominant and on top of people and like easily winning games and, you know, giving people no chance, like... That's not what it's going to look like. And what's important about that is like it shifts. Expectations play such an important role in momentum, right? And so like if your expectation is that you're going to be perfect or you're going to be excellent and you're okay, it's hard to build momentum off of that because you've still fallen short of your goal. So it feels like a loss even if you squeak by Crystal Palace, let's say 2-1 with a late winner. And it's important, I think, for us to recognize where we're at so we can build momentum off of the reality of our situation rather than the reality of our past. Mm -hmm. And like there were moments where we could expect ourselves to be world beaters. Hopefully there will be those moments again. But in the short term, like we got to be we got to be fighters. And when the like and that's going to look really different, that's going to look like getting outplayed by a 10-man Newcastle but holding on to the win, which, like, are we proud of that? Like, maybe not, but, like, did we get the points? Yeah, great. Take them. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Um And then, hopefully there's, there's brighter days to
2: come. Of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> there always is brighter days to come. <laughs> It's the way it is. It's the way of the world, Andrew. Hopefully we we're around for them, alive for them, not owned by Qataris for them. Absolutely. We will. <laughs> I have full confidence. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking us through momentum today. Uh, I think it's been a really good conversation. And I think it's really important to separate the, you know, the psychological momentum versus the physical momentum. And I hope people get a, a better understanding of, of the nuances involved in all that. So thanks so much for your expertise thank you well thanks you
3: know we didn't no tears actually you know we made it through 45 minutes with no tears yeah.
2: so that's always a good day when there's no tears Built momentum yeah, absolutely absolutely so listeners until next time look after yourselves and we'll see you soon on the mindfield podcast
1: we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically